Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Lakeside. It's, uh, it's exciting for you to be here. I hope you're excited to be uh, together to worship God, to learn uh, from his word. Uh, you know, I was just reflecting um, just uh, how thankful I am for our church and for this, this body of believers and uh, just to be a part of what's going on here. And uh, in just a, a few uh, short months, we'll be celebrating, I think, our third uh, birthday as Lakeside Christian Church. And that's exciting to me that God, what God has done in these uh, three short years and, uh, and just, uh, just, just to be a, in a place where I feel loved, accepted, supported uh, with, our, with our eldership and, and uh, just working with uh, this, this church has been fantastic. I'm excited for our youth group and just what God's doing there and the fact that half of them are here after not getting home till 2.30 last night from Cedar Point and, and just exciting that they're willing to be here and, uh, and to learn. And, and so hopefully if, they, if they're struggling a little bit, um, that's understandable. I'm just glad they're here. Uh, so thank you for coming. Um, this morning we are going to be continuing in our, in our sermon series of uh, Dual Citizen. Uh, as in a, a sermon series in Romans chapter 13. And, uh, and last week, Peter talked to us about the, the goodness of government, governance and how God has saw fit to give us human government to, to help lead us, to, to give us parameters to live in, uh, to understand who he is and how to, to live in this world and our part in that. And, uh, and really just uh, as I was reflecting through those things, Daniel chapter 2 always comes to mind. And I just would like to read a few verses to you. And it says uh, in verse 20, chapter 2, it says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. You know, as I was thinking about that, we're coming into a political time, a, a time of... Um, Voting and, and elections and all the ads and everything are everywhere. And it's easy to get caught up with all the, uh, the hype and, and the worry that this is the most important election ever. And uh, if it doesn't go this way or that way, then everything is going to fall apart. And, and I have this, this, this confidence that as he says in Daniel chapter 2, God is the one who sets up kings. God is the one who sets up authorities. And God is the one who removes them. And so we can have this assurance that even as the seasons change, that God is in control. And now we're coming to the end of summer and the beginning of fall. Just this, this very next week, we are switching seasons. And as that happens, we have this, this promise from God that as that happens, that he is in control and we can trust him. And that he is the one who is wise and gives wisdom and knowledge and he reveals things. And so that is our request today as we turn uh, into the scriptures back to Romans chapter 13, that God will reveal himself to us and that he will give us wisdom and understanding and to see him clearer as we look at it. Today we are going to be talking about love fulfills the law, Romans 13, 8 through 10. And I'd like to, to just read those verses this morning. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And as we, as we consider this, this dual citizenship, and we turn to this, the scriptures, and it talks about fulfilling the law, fulfilling the law through love, 
today we want to look at what does that exactly mean? What does it mean that love fulfills the law? And, uh, and so this morning we're going to take a, a quick look, three points, uh, uh, that, that what it means that love, how love fulfills the law, what the law is and how love fulfills it. And first off is love that fulfills the law is first two-directional. Love that fulfills the law is two-directional. It starts in Matthew 22, 34 through uh, 40. And the, the first direction that we have here that, um, that Jesus tells us himself is, is also the key verses here for, um, for Lakeside that we are built upon. Our mission here is to love God, care for others, and communicate his word. And it begins in the great commandments in Matthew 22, 34 says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The first Part of understanding how love fulfills the law is to understand the great commandments of God is first to love God and to love people, to love God first. And, and these two loves, this two-dimensional, two-directional love starts with a, a, a vertical love, loving God with all we are, with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. We love God with everything we have. He is to be loved differently than everything else. Uh, he is to be placed in a center place in our life that we submit all things to our love for God, that we love him and be, for who he is. It first starts with him. And then it's loving others, to love people, to, to serve them. And one person put uh, to joy is this. Joy is Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. To, to put others before you, to, to love people, all people. This is a, a verse that that um, does tell us that, one, we have to have love for, for fellow believers, but also for unbelievers. We have to have love for everybody. It's a love that, that God has given. Because God has loved us, we love others. Paul says it in, in, in uh, Romans 13, to owe no one anything except to love each other. Our, what we owe others is to love them. It's a debt that we carry because God has loved him. Now, oftentimes we think of a, a debt as, you know, Somebody gives me something, and therefore I love them. And, uh, and, and so, uh, or I, I want to pay them back. Actually, a, a philosopher wrote a book called the, the Gift of Death, and it's this idea that our gift-giving gets so confused and muddled that I give a gift, therefore I have power and control over that person until they then give me a gift back, and then they have power and control over me until I give them a gift. And it just goes back and forth. And we have this understanding of owing somebody is based upon them giving us something. But here we see that what we owe people is not from anything they have done or given to us. It is because of what God has done for us and given us. God has loved us, therefore we owe a debt to them, not based on what they have done, but based on what God has done and the commands he gives us. And so we begin this two-directional love. If we look at God first, love God first, if we learn to love God first, we'll see that loving others is a natural flow of, of loving God. That as I learn to love others, it, it's, I love God by loving others because God becomes preeminent in my life. He is all-sufficient, and he is supreme in my heart and my, and my affections, and therefore others then come into their proper place as I love and serve them. But in loving others, I have to first put God. That, that means there are times where uh, I have to choose God over others. 
and, and serve him first. And sometimes we're stuck in those places where we have to make tough decisions. And uh, I remember a, a good friend of mine growing up, his father said that if he chose to follow Christ and get baptized, that he would kill him. And, uh, and my friend chose to follow God and get baptized. And uh, his father did not kill him, uh, but that was a threat that he, he put on him. And, uh, and watching him process that decision, have to, to think about his relationship with his father and how that would affect him. And yet he chose to love God first. And what we see is even in that choice, even in that place, he didn't choose to hate his father and love God. True love for his father was loving God with everything he has because it gave his father a glimpse of who God is in his son's life, the testimony that he could follow in his son. You see, God has given us in the commandments this, this, this um, here in, in the Matthew 22 talks about here in the, in the commandments that loving God, loving others is preeminent in these, these commandments. If you flip back to Exodus 20, and we take a, just a moment to look at the Ten Commandments, which uh, Paul's referring to here in, in, uh, in chapter 13, that we see the Ten Commandments. And I want you to think as we read these commandments, oftentimes we know the commandments, and then even in our political system, there's times when people want to remove the commandments from the courtrooms. They, they, there's always hype about these Ten Commandments. And what makes these Ten Commandments so significant is God has given us a way of relating and understanding who He is, how we come before God. And we will see that in these Ten Commandments, they are two directional. They are a loving God and loving others built into the Ten Commandments. It begins with God saying, uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He begins by reminding the people that I'm the one who delivered you. I'm the one who has your best interests in mind. Look at the great and mighty works that I've done in your past and trust that what I'm telling you today is for your good. It's for your benefit. Just as uh, delivering you was for your good and for your benefit, I'm giving you commands today uh, to, for your good. He says in verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image. Verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse 12, Honor your father and your mother. Verse 13, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover, covet your neighbor's house. Um, these are the Ten Commandments that God has given to us. In, in this, we'll see the first four are relational between us and God. God says, have no other gods before me. Don't make an idol and worship it. Don't take my name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, a day between you and God. God has given us the first four commandments, how we relate to him. To make God preeminent in our hearts. To follow and worship him alone. Not to, not to look to other gods or to create man-made gods uh, to worship, but to, to worship him and him alone. And to respect him. Don't take his name in vain. Don't use your, your, your faith in God or religion in God in, in a way to man- manipulate him, but respect and reverence his name. And, and respect and reverence his position in your life. And you know, one of the things that you, know, you, you may hear uh, uh, people using God as, a, as a, a byword or a slang or swear word, but oftentimes Christians, I believe, use God's name in vain when they decide that they come up with a viewpoint uh, that they think is good, and they say, well, God told me this is what we have to do. And, uh, 
And it's, it's just, like, I'm going to use God to make you do what I want to do. And I believe that's, that's using God's name in vain. That's, that's forcing somebody else uh, to do something you want, uh, which may, may or may not be what God's word says. And so we have to be careful that when I go to the scriptures, when I go to God and I submit myself to him, that when God speaks to me, I have to be very careful how to communicate that to others so I don't manipulate others uh, by using God's name in vain. And then remembering the Sabbath day is a time to, to step back, to rest, to trust that God is in control. And I was thinking about this, that this is relational words that God's giving us, how we relate to How do I come to God and honor him and worship him and serve him and love him? He gives us in these first four ways to come to him. And if we were to flip it a little bit to think about uh, a relationship, a human relationship, maybe a husband and a wife relationship, if, uh, if a wife said to her husband, here's four things that I want you to, to remember how you could love me the best. Love me and no other women. You know, don't look at other women. Don't look at pornography. Don't look at none of that stuff. Love me. And he said, then says, respect me. Don't make me a joke to other people. Just respect who I am. Respect my person. Love me through respecting me. And spend time with me. And spend time. And so we see here, if we would just put it in a, in a, a relationship we see regularly, that it, it makes perfect sense to say, uh, in human standards, in a relationship that we want that lasts for a long time, this is, this is what it is. And God says, here is the clue. Relate to me in this way. To, to love me alone. Don't bring anything else in to distract you from who I am. Respect who I am. And spend time with me. And, and so it's a very relationship. And then the, the next six are how to relate to other people. The law means to, to relate to these other six to relate to those who, who come to us. And so when we come back to Matthew 22, and he says this, on these two commandments, to love God and to love others, depend or hang all the law and the prophets. All the law and the prophets. All the commands. Not just these ten, but all the law and the prophets hang on these two. And in these two, Jesus is very serious when he says these two. To love God, to love others is very important. And in 1 John 4.20 says this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is a huge commandment. Jesus is saying these are really at the root, the foundation of everything that God's word is about, is to love God, to love others. And when we, when we don't get that right, we're missing the main point. See, we can go to the law and we can try to keep the law on our own, but that's not loving God. That's loving ourselves. That's, lo- that's puffing ourselves up in self-righteousness and pride. And so therefore we must repent of those and come to God and submit to him and love him and love others. Love, then, is a natural expression of one who no longer stands condemned by the law. Say that again. So love that fulfills the law is first two-directional, and then, then it is a natural expression of one who no longer stands condemned by the law. And briefly, I want to run through just a... a we don't... Like, if we were to spend time through the book of Romans, Paul deals with the law extensively and the limitations of the law um, and, and our place before the law. And, and so this morning, I would just like to take a few moments to just kind of look at our position under law without Christ, then what Christ has done for us, and then how that then changes us, that gives us this expression of love. So first we see that condemnation comes from being under the law. 
And in Romans 1.20, it says this, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Man is without excuse because God has revealed who he is through creation and that we know God through his creation. And there's nobody who can have an excuse. So when it comes to understanding that we are condemned under the law, nobody's without excuse. Everybody has an opportunity before God to know God and to receive God if they choose uh, to submit to him. Romans 2.5 says, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Our rebellion against God is storing up wrath for us. We stand in condemnation and judgment and, and expecting future wrath from God. Romans 3.10 says this, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. Our position outside of grace, outside of Jesus Christ, is not to want anything to do with God, not to seek God, but to turn from him. Romans uh, 3.20 says, For by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Even when we have the law and read the law, if we try to do the law on ourselves, it's not going to save us. We will not be uh, restored to a right relationship with God through performing the law, because the law's purpose is to reveal to us our sinfulness, our need for God, our need for a redeemer, our need for a substitution, and Jesus, who Jesus Christ is. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, as Romans 3.23. And lastly, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is separation from God. With, with our position under the law, without Christ, is condemnation, is separation from God. It is in desperate need uh, and nothing we can do. Nothing we can, uh, can perform. No, no, no task we can do that would earn God's favor. We are left on our own in condemnation. But we have deliverance from condemnation. And Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love in this, that while we were still sinning against God, Christ died for us. While I was in uh, rebellion and pursuing my own thing, Christ chose to leave heaven to live a perfect life, fulfilling the law completely and going to the cross and dying on my behalf, on your behalf, in my rebellion. Standing in condemnation, God sent a deliverer. And Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by, the, so by one man's obedience the many were all made righteous. See, when Adam and Eve chose to sin, as Adam sinned and sin entered the world, we all became sinners. And sin was passed on from generation to generation. And we are stuck in that sin. But because of Christ's obedience, the free gift of righteousness is offered to us in Christ. His obedience, many are made righteous. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, is Romans ten thirteen. So when we come to Christ, when we see that the law shows me that I'm condemned and I'm in need of a substitutionary atonement, I'm in need of a, a redeemer, I'm in need of a deliverer, Jesus Christ came to offer that deliverance. And it says, if we call upon him, we will be saved. And then we have this amazing promise that the commands, uh, that when we see the deliverance and we receive the deliverance that the commands of God give us reason to love. It changes our affections and our, our desire because it says this in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
When we place our faith and trust in Christ alone, he then removes the condemnation. He removes the penalty and the curse of the law. And he places on us Christ's righteousness and gives us a future hope in heaven. And we see that it changes our affections and our desires. In uh, Psalm 119, uh, this, this week I'm beginning to do my quiet time in Psalm 119 again. And it is, uh, it's amazing. I, I, I have only been in, in two of the sections so far this week. Um, it's broken up in eight verse sections. And in and, and each section so far, at least one of the verses talks about his desire being changed, his desire for the law of the Lord and his love for law. And in, in Psalm 119, verse 77 says, Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Oh, in 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 127 says, Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. The, the psalmist here has seen the law of God in such a way that it becomes a delight, a desire, a joy to him, and he desires it more. And even um, Paul writes in Romans seven twenty two says this, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. This, this desire for the law of God, desire to know God, a delight. The law of God is a delight. And oftentimes when we think of law, we don't think of delight. We don't think of joy. We don't think of, uh, we think of, uh, oh man, that's something else I can't do. Um, and and we, we get uh, a very negative view of, the, of law. But when we see that law is the way to relate to God, when we see that the, the law has been given for us to come before God and to understand him, we begin to see uh, the joy in doing it, that as I do these things and understand, as I love God and I love others, these things begin to flow in my life and I begin to, to see uh, why God gave it to us. And so lastly, we have the love that fulfills the law is two-directional, loving God and loving others. Love is a natural expression of one who no longer stands condemned by the law. And love is a summary of the law, not a substitute for the law. Love is a summary of the law, not a substitute for the law. Again, in, in uh, the Great Commandments, Jesus says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, to love God and to love others. Jesus said this in Matthew five seventeen: Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus never said the law no longer uh, matters to us today. He never said... Uh, you, you know, you can close the books of the law, put it up on the shelf, and ignore them. He never says it. What he does say is that he came to fulfill the law. And when he did fulfill the law, he fulfilled the ceremonial law. There, there is no longer any need for us to go and sacrifice at a temple. There's no longer any need for us to, to go through the, the rituals of, of the ceremonial law. But the moral law that God has given in the, uh, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament applies to us today. And that's what's fulfilled in loving God and loving others. The summary of all the commandments is loving God and loving others, but not a substitute. As we live each and every day pursuing our relationship with God, learning to love God, learning to submit to God more, learning to love others, learning to die to self and put others first, as we do these things, we will see that the law is being fulfilled and played out in each and every day of our life. At no time should we think of that I don't need to pay attention to the law any longer. Uh, Paul does say we are no longer under the law, but under grace. But that doesn't mean that we don't have the moral uh, law that we follow. It means that we no longer are cursed under the law. The curse from the law has been placed upon Jesus Christ on the cross. 
And he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He bore uh, the curse on the cross so that I do not have to, that I don't have to bear the curse of the law, but I can rejoice and love him uh, freely uh, through Christ. Jesus says this in John chapter 14. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I mean, you think about, in that verse, he, he doesn't say, ignore my commandments, ignore what I've given to you uh, in the pages of scriptures, and just love me. He's saying, your love for me will be played out through keeping the commandments that I've given. Verse 21 in John 14 says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest, manifest myself to him. If we have his commandments and we keep them, it's a demonstration of our love for him. Now, our love for him comes first, and then the obedience to and the, and the follow-through of, uh, of his commandments comes second, because those are the expressions of our love. Those are the expressions of our heart that desires Christ. Verse 23 and 24, John 14 says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus is saying that the, the word the Father has given is to love Jesus, to love him, to love others, to obey his commandments. When we don't do that, we can't say we're a Christian. You can't say, I love Christ, but I hate people. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't flow. We love Jesus Christ and we love others. We place Christ first in our life and we serve others. We love others. As we believe here at Lakeside, we love God with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, and we care for others to love them, to serve them, and, and to share with them the word of God. So love is a summary of the law, not a substitute of the law. God's law basically essentially is this. God's law is love put into words. When we look at the law... It is given to us for our benefit, for our good, so that we can know how to relate to him uh, even better. The Ten Commandments give us the loving thing to do and the unloving thing to avoid in our relationship with God and others. Each law is love put into words that guide us into concrete, loving courses of action. So I found these uh, where it puts the Ten Commandments... Uh, and shows us the, the benefit in the, behind each one. You shall love, have no other gods before me. says that loving devotion to God should be pure, singular, and unrivaled by any person, thing, or idea. You shall not make for yourself an idol. says that loving devotion to God should focus on him, not on religious practices, props, or substitutes. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. says that loving devotion to God should include respect and reverence for his person and his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy says that loving devotion to God should include time spent each week in worship and rest in his honor. Honor your father and mother says that love for parents should be expressed through recognition, respect, and esteem for them. You shall not murder says that love for others should be expressed through high regard for and diligent preservation of human life. You shall not commit adultery, says that love for spouse or future spouse should be demonstrated through sexual purity and faithfulness. You shall not steal, says that love for others should be expressed through respect for their property and their possessions. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, says that love for others should be shown through honesty and truthfulness in all of our dealings. You shall not covet, says that love for others should focus on what we can give to others instead of what we can get that belongs to them. 
See, we are called to love God, to love others, to fulfill the law and everything it says, as we see here in Romans 13, 8 to 10, is loving God and loving our neighbors. Our responsibility here in the community that God has placed us in obedience to the government that he has placed over us is to love others and to serve God. Serve God first, love God first, and love others. And as we do that, we will be law-abiding citizens just because we love God, just because we have obeyed his law, that the government will have nothing against us. Well, they, in a secular government, they don't like God, and they want to kick God out. But our actions are not leading us against the law of the government, the law of the land, but our, ex- except for in some cases where we have to honor God above the law of the land. But we have to look at the law and look at the government and look at our neighbors and look at the responsibility that God has given us. And he says, love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. Love others as yourself and and to put others before yourself and to serve them. And as you begin to love others and serve others and see that in doing so, you are loving God. And so you can enjoy your time with each other and enjoy your time in the community and share with them, loving them in recognition of who the God you serve and the reason why you have love to give is from the love that Jesus Christ has given to you. And even as I woke up this morning and got here, before the sun uh, came up, I left and I looked up and it was just a clear morning and the stars were shining bright and the beauty of God creation was there. And just this, this loving God in the sense that I can enjoy the beauty of creation because of what God has done. That I can look and I say, I know the God who created this and I love him for that. And to rejoice in that. And I can come and I can fellowship with this church and enjoy the presence that, that you have brought here together because of the God who has created you and called you to be in this place. And in doing so, I love God. And so I, I've, the, the challenge is this. Check your affections. Check your motivations. Check your desires. Are you loving God with everything you are? And, and are you loving others as you love yourself? And John 15 gives us the, 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 the key to how to love God is to spend time with him. If, if, any, if you are in Christ and, and in his word and abide in him, that you will bear fruit. You'll bear the fruit of love by spending time in the word of God, by spending time with the people of God, by loving God with all you are. Will you, let's uh, bow with me as we close in prayer. Father, I'm so thankful that you have chosen to love us, Lord, that even as your word says, we love because you first loved us. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who has fulfilled the law completely, Lord. He kept all the commandments uh, perfectly, Lord, so that we don't have to. In our place, in our substitution, he fulfilled the law, and he went to the cross, and he sacrificed himself for us, Lord, that if we place our faith and trust in him, Lord, his righteousness becomes our righteousness, and he takes our sin and forgives all of our sins and nails it to the cross. Lord, and I pray that, uh, Lord, that we can understand how much you've done for us. And as we see the love you've given us, Lord, that our, our, our love for you would be an expression. Our desires would be uh, to love you more, to serve you more. Lord, help us to love you first, uh, to love others, and, and serve you in our community. Lord, and I, I thank you, uh, Lord, as you even told us, that you've given us a helper Lord, the Holy Spirit, to, to help lead us into all understanding and to love you more, to reveal yourself to us, Lord. And may, may we experience that uh, this, this very day. In Jesus' name, amen.